Well, happy November. It's finally feeling like fall here in Oklahoma. The trees are starting to turn, and although my kids are still wearing shorts to school, highs in the 60s are better than the 90s, so we'll take what we can get. Well, I just want to welcome you to the messy table, an imperfect space where life is not always perfect, but God is always at work. I'm Jen, and I am passionate about gathering women together and using our actual real lives to intentionally remember what really matters. You know, life can be hard, and it's not always what we ordered. Yet we see these beautiful pictures of beautiful people and beautiful lives on platforms like Instagram and Pinterest. But as you know, life is more than a bunch of megapixels on a screen, and this is an opportunity for us to dive a little deeper and get a peek behind the scenes. My guest today for episode number 18 is Davina Bress, who I would describe as a wise and humble firecracker who sold out for the things that matter most, God and people. But it wasn't always that way. And I can't wait for you to hear her transformational story. She and her husband, Brian, lead the Life Church Norman location. She's a mama to four adorable little humans. She homeschools, she runs marathons, she leads Bible studies. She seems to do it all. But personally, I appreciate the depth and conviction she brings to any conversation, as well as just being an honest and trustworthy voice in my life. So wherever you are right now, grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. Hey, Davina. Hey, Jen. So glad you're here. I've really been looking forward to this. Well, thank you for having me. Before we dive in, will you just introduce yourself and give everyone a little snapshot of who you are and what you're all about? Sure. Um, my name is Davina Bruss. I am married to my husband, Brian. It's been a little over 10 years. Uh, we pastor the Norman campus of Life Church, and we have four sweet babies. My oldest is Caleb. He's eight. Adeline is six. Elijah is five. And Jeremiah is three and a half. Um, we homeschool. And so I have all my kiddos home with me all day long. And um, it's just a gift. So that's that's me in a snapshot. So basically you're superwoman. No. <laughs> I know you're not. not but no. I do feel like you do it all and you do it all well. So thank you. So what's a fun fact about you that most people wouldn't know? Well, I don't know how fun it is, but I think a lot of people are often surprised that I'm actually an attorney by trade. So um, I left a profession to kind of come and do what I think the Lord has called me to do, which is to stay home and shepherd my babies. And can we just talk about the fact that you entered into a little race recently and maybe got some news back. Is that okay to say? <laughs> okay. Yes. Do you not I, want to say it? No, it's fine. You know, that's the thing about introverts is we don't really like the attention on ourselves, but yeah, last June I started running and it very quickly became a passion of mine. So I ran a marathon with my brothers, both my older and younger brother in January and qualified for the Boston marathon. So I am headed there in April. That's so exciting. I mean, I have uh, no interest at all in running a marathon, but I really admire people who do. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's more addictive than you'd think once you get going. That's what everyone says. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I don't mind running. I run some, you know, but not that many miles. So yeah, Not for hours on end. <laughs> not for hours. Like, that's something that I did for punishment playing sports growing right. up. <laughs> uh, okay, so... One of my very favorite stories of how someone came to be a follower of Christ is yours. So would you mind sharing your story? Sure. 
Um, a little background information. I grew up in a Christmas and Easter Catholic family. You know, we would mm-hmm. go to church especially if we were visiting my grandparents, but only on holidays. Um, We abided by the Catholic rituals, uh, First Holy Communion, Confirmation, Baptism, those sorts of things. But there was really no concept of who Jesus was. Um, There was no, certainly no relationship. So that was kind of my backdrop. Um, Now, fast forward to post-college. I met a guy. We started dating. We moved in together and lived together for several years. And during that time, uh, he cheated on me with multiple women. And every time I'd find out and confront him, never once did he ever apologize or even admit that he had done it, even though you know I had an abundance of evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just always forgive him as I, you know, as much as I knew how, and um, just continue in that relationship. But what it did was just harboring me so much insecurity and, you know, wondering, like, here's this person that I'm so loyal to and I love so much and I'm so devoted to him um, and I'm not enough. Like, clearly there's something wrong with me if he has to go outside of our relationship um, on a repeated basis. And it was just a a really dark few years. And um, then... I would guess it was July of 2005. He and I went down to Greensboro, North Carolina. That's where his dad actually pastors a large Baptist church down there. And we went to visit his family. And while we were there, I discovered an extensive stash of pornography on his computer. And um, like even now, so many years removed from that, I can I can see what I saw. And like I can feel those emotions mm-hmm. still so real to me, which is actually... Yeah. I mean, just overwhelming betrayal. Mm -hmm. But I mean, God had me in the perfect place because here I was standing next to a man who knew how to preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what he did. He sat me down and he told me about Jesus and he told me about how this hole that I was feeling in this pain and this brokenness could only be filled by Jesus. Right. And this was your boyfriend's dad. Yes. This was his dad. Um, And, you know, I'd already confronted my boyfriend and and now poor guy. I mean, not really poor guy, but he was having to sit out (laughs) on his porch with his mom, who I'd also told what had happened. I mean, I can't even imagine what that conversation (laughs) was, but I was in their kitchen hearing this gospel presentation. And at the time, honestly, it uh, didn't make a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what he was talking about. I certainly didn't give my life to the Lord that day, but what I walked away knowing was that I um, was hopeless. I was broken. I was in pain and I needed something. Mm -hmm. And so even though I didn't say, okay, I want that right now, what they did is they equipped me to continue um, kind of exploring and they got me connected with a church um, near where I was living at the time. And I am a high rule follower. So it was Baptist (laughs) church. And at that Baptist church, you went on Wednesday night and you went on Sunday morning and you went on Sunday night. Oh yeah. I grew up Baptist. Actually, I grew up with your husband, which is kind of funny. He was older than me, but he was in all the, you know, plays and everything. Brian Bress was everywhere. Yeah. So it's a very, you know, typical traditional thing that you go three times a week. So I went three times a week. And one of those things on Wednesday night, I was doing a Bethmore study. Like keep in mind, I did not know the Lord, but I was doing a Bethmore study. Mm. And then on Sunday night, I did what was essentially like a Christianity 101 course. And it was just 
in that, that I started to kind of put things together, little bits of what I had heard growing up. You know, in the Catholic Church, we'd say things like, Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that meant, but I was starting to put those little things together. In the meantime, my boyfriend um, had moved up to Boston to get a one-year master program at Harvard. And um, in that time, I say boyfriend because I had stayed with him. Um, we were still dating oh, after wow. And I discovered more affairs. I discovered an even deeper betrayal. And through that, I really, really spiraled down. I mean, I was so broken. I would wake up, walk to class, cry through class, walk home, just weep in bed all night long. And this happened for weeks and weeks until finally I came to the point um, on September 12th, 2005. And I was just in bed, sobbing my eyes out. And my prayer was simply, I can't do this alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was it. It was, there were none of the big fancy words. It, that was it. It was just mm-hmm. my heart saying, God, I need you. And I fell asleep out of complete exhaustion and woke up that next morning. And my circumstances were exactly the same. But for the first time, I felt like I had hope. I felt peace. I felt comfort. I felt all these things that could have only come from God. But the most amazing thing to me now in retrospect is I had I had not read my Bible. I didn't know that those were things that the Lord had promised to us, mm-hmm. but he still handed them to me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing about the Bible, whether or not you know it, it is true. God is who he says he is, whether or, God, whether or not you know it. And so now looking back, just thinking like, what a gift it is, because I know that I know that I know that I know that God is real, mm-hmm. because he himself to me in such an intimate way. So that was September 12, 2005, and um, I have been on fire for the Lord and just um, madly in love with Him ever since. And that is true. I, <laughs> you know, ever since I have known you, that is completely true about you. When I think about you, I know that you are just so genuine and authentic in your faith. I know you're full of integrity. I know you're going to be pursuing Him. And if you're not, you're going to be honest about it. And that's something that I appreciate, but it's contagious and it overflows. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for those words. So after you um, started digging into the word. I know you've told me before that you basically became obsessed. Yes. Yeah. So at the time I was living in Washington, DC, I was in law school and I would ride the Metro, which is like the subway system, um, pretty much everywhere. And if I was not in class and like, or doing the bare minimum I had to do to get by in my classes, my nose was in the Bible. I just could not get enough of it. So it was really your own experience that led to that genuine hunger and passion for scripture. And, you know, the same was true for me. It's it's just words on a page until we realize that this is our heritage and our lifeline, really. So because of what you've gone through, I know you're passionate for others to read and know God's word as well. And you've actually been hosting a short-term life group called How to Study Your Bible, which I think is so great. So what are some helpful, practical tips that maybe you could share with all of us, um, someone who either has known scripture for a while or maybe someone who's brand new? What are some tips that you would have or even where to start? Yeah. Um, you know, I think probably the number one thing is to remember that the Bible is a story about God. 
you know, I think oftentimes we look through scripture and we're looking for where we fit in it all. But if we start with the perspective of this is a story about God and search for where is God in this story, then our minds and our hearts are kind of focused in the right way. Mm -hmm. Now, practically, you know, we, we know that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. So I always encourage people to begin with prayer. Um, and just asking God to reveal things to us and then to be willing to wrestle with things, Mm -hmm. you know, choose a book in the Bible and just start opening it up, go verse by verse, mark it up. What things stick out to you? What things do you have questions about? And then go back to those things you have questions about and start digging in. I think one of the most practical things you can do is have an English dictionary. You know, sometimes there's just basic words that you think you know the answer to, but when you actually look at the dictionary and the definition of it, it brings so much clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, look at different translations. You know, there's, um, of course, there's Bibles that will give you parallel translations, but online there's a website called biblehub.com and it'll give you probably 20 different um, parallel translations. It'll also give you cross-references. That's a great way to just kind of dig in if something's confusing to you. Okay, let's let's take, for example, Genesis 1. Um, You know, in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you were to look at the cross-references, it would give you several different places throughout the Bible that talk about either creation or in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just give you clarity on that. I think something that we just in our society have started to do is to rely so much on books or commentaries or sermons or podcasts or all these different things. And let me tell you, I'm a learner. I Mm -hmm. love all those things. I'm constantly in those. But those cannot replace the Bible in our life. We have got to gain that knowledge Mm -hmm. for ourselves. So try to interpret scripture with scripture. Look at those cross references and don't be afraid to wrestle. Like that's my whole thing is sometimes it's in thinking about one verse day after day after day for a while before I fully understand. I mean, um, Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier that I'm leading this short-term life group. It's over the book of Philippians, which not only have I read several times, but I have taught more than once. And on Monday, my eyes were open to new things. You know, the word of God is alive. So just know that, that every time you open it, God can show you something new and something different. Well, I love you saying, be willing to wrestle because that's been such a key element in my life. And even if you're doubting, if you're struggling with questions, just pressing into those wrestling, not running away from them. Um, I know I reached a point in my life where I realized that God doesn't have to defend himself, that I can come before him and ask him those hard questions. When we seek him, we will find him and that he's not going to be hiding from me when I do that. Right. I mean, even like when we think about as children of God, the Bible tells us we can come to him as Abba Father. That is a term of endearment. So just thinking about how you would be able to go to your earthly father. Um, I know not everybody has that relationship, but to your daddy, you know, someone with an intimate relationship, you don't have to cover up and try to make everything perfect before you approach them. You can go to them authentically. You know, it's such an amazing relationship that we have access to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Um, I also think that context is key. You know, um, I personally prefer studying the Bible a book at a time, not that a topical study is bad and there's certainly a place for that. But if you're skipping around from Isaiah to Luke to Genesis to Revelation without really diving into each book, then things could easily and unintentionally be read out of context. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it's super important to know who's the writer. 
you know, God chose someone very specific to write each book. And part of that person is their past history. You know, Mm -hmm. you look at Paul, who has written so much of the Bible. The fact that he came from where he came plays a big part into his perspective and his willingness to to write those letters in specific ways. Um, Look at who is he writing to? Is he writing to believers? Is he not writing to believers? Mm -hmm. Is he writing to Gentiles or Jews? All these things matter. And because it can clear up some confusing things that, you know, if he's writing to the Jewish people, it has a different meaning. It is so true. You're right. Yeah, all that stuff matters. What's great is even um, if you if you don't have a study Bible or something like that, even on the YouVersion Bible app, if you're in the NIV edition, there's an introduction there um, where the chapters are. There's a little I. You can click on it, and that'll give you some background information on who it's to, the history mm-hmm. of the church. I mean, there's so much valuable information that can help you glean perspective and understanding of the Scripture. Mm-hmm. So the call to make disciples is something that came straight from Jesus, but it starts in our own homes as well. And I know that God has put the sometimes overlooked mission of motherhood on your heart. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Um, You know, I think oftentimes people get caught up in a desire to do big things for God and forget the truth that God is equally as glorified in the small things. You know, and for me, um, he has made very clear to me that my small things are my day-to-day things and caring for my family. We have a quote up in our house that's been attributed to Mother Teresa, and it says, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Mm -hmm, I I think that's just, yeah, it's so true, you know. Um, just thinking through, like, we do have this call to make disciples. And if we look at how Jesus made disciples, the number one way he did it is by spending time with them. Like I have nobody in my life that I spend more time with than my family. Like what an amazing opportunity that God has handed me to make disciples of these four sweet little people that he's put in my own house. Mm -hmm. Um, and And even beyond that, like looking at how Jesus made disciples, he did it by example. And I think just even as I process, Lord, how do I make disciples of these children? It is doing my best to live with integrity. Jesus lived with perfect integrity between what he said and what he did. And as I pursue that, you know, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Like that is my motto with my kiddos. Mm -hmm. And so that means they see, like they see the worst of me. They do. Sometimes (laughs) at the end of the day, I'm just like, Lord, oh my word, can you just erase this day? (laughs) No memory of all this stuff that happened today. But you know, even in those dark, awful days, I pray that the Lord always gives me the eyes to see the opportunity in it Mm -hmm. because I am a sinful person the same way as my kids are sinful people. And I have the opportunity to demonstrate for them what does somebody who loves Jesus but still sins do? How do we respond to that? What does it look like to to walk in true repentance? What does it look like to um, ask for grace and to be vessels of grace, you know, pour grace out on other people? All these things are just, you know, day-to-day, moment-by-moment opportunities mm-hmm. for me to just live out what being um, a follower of Christ is. Right. That's and, what disciple is, right? And even asking for forgiveness and saying that you're sorry, that's a huge part of being an example of someone who's in process but pursuing Christ and allowing His grace to cover them. That's a huge element. So even you just humbling yourself and being willing to do that shows them more than you know. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that Brian and I have been so intentional about is um, bringing them into our decisions. Now, we want them to know that um, being a Christian is not compartmentalized. It's not something that's part of our life, but it truly is who we are. You know, that we truly desire to reflect Jesus in every area of our life. And we'll bring them into those decisions. If we are going to, you know, they know about tithing, they know about offerings um, above and beyond. They know about people in our lives that have needs that we want to meet. They know that I lead a Bible study on Monday nights because I'm passionate about the Word of God. They know that Daddy leaves every day because we truly believe what the Bible says and that people need to know the truth about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we want them to know the why behind the what. You know, one of my apprehensions is that my kids growing up as pastor's kids will just become resentful of the church or will um, stray because they don't think it's real or all these things that I've heard stories about. And so just even though I cannot control, you know, they're little humans, they have their own wills and I don't have control over what choices they're going to make in their life. What I do have control of is my input. You know, um, our, our pastor, Pastor Craig Groeschel talks about input goals. And so just processing through like, Lord, what do you have for us to do and to demonstrate and um, to be now in this season of life that we can, you know, just model for them and hopefully, you know, nip some of those issues in the bud. This is obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway, that you don't have to be pastor's wife. You don't have to even have kids to disciple. Absolutely not. It's just gathering the people around you and pouring into them what you know about Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was literally six months into my walk with the Lord and I was leading a life group. And and you know what it was? Now, in retrospect, I see I was making disciples, mm-hmm. but at the time, I was just growing closer to Jesus, and I was bringing everyone I could with me. Can I was you just inviting them this to be a part. Yes, exactly. You know, that's what it is. You know, as we continue to pursue the Lord and inviting people to be a part of that journey, that's really what disciple making can look like. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Life on life, face to face. It's not this big, let me stand on a stage and preach to you, although that there's so many great things that can come from that. But it's just getting into the kind of messy part of each other's lives and asking questions and seeking God together and figuring that out. Yeah. So what is a challenge? And I know you guys have been through a lot. What's a challenge that you face that's been difficult or a little messy, but you've seen God work through it? I started facing some health issues back in May of 2015. And at the time I thought, well, I've been nursing her pregnant for seven or eight years at that point. It was probably just a hormonal thing or whatever. So I thought, oh, I'll just go to the doctor and get some things checked out. I was certain it was a vitamin deficiency or something. And um, turned out that my primary care doctor thought that it was MS. And so she sent me to the neurologist and the neurologist had concern that it was a brain tumor. Um, and so I started wow. in May and I couldn't have my testing done until October. So that's a long time to so, process. To wait. Yeah. yeah. Just to think through like that possibility, you know, my symptoms, um, were, I would look out several times during the day. I was, um, so exhausted to the point that it was difficult to function. Um, I was losing some cognitive abilities. I was losing words. I, my memory was um, terrible. I was unable to string together simple words for a sentence. It was just really, really scary stuff for me. 
And I remember just sitting in bed. I'm a journaler. So I was just pouring out my heart to the Lord through my journal. And I came to this point where I thought, you know, God, if this is what you have for me, I'm okay with it. And the reason I was able to come to that is because I had been in the Word of God for so many years, and I saw His faithfulness, and I saw His character page after page after page in that Word. Hmm. And I knew that I knew that when God says that He works all things for the good of those who love Him, that He would work even a brain tumor or even MS or whatever the diagnosis would be for the good. Just in that moment, being able to say, like, Lord, you are a sovereign God and I trust you and truly mean it for my heart was just such an, you know, just another milestone and another layer of my foundation, my faith with him. But, um, you know, and, you know, once again, reinforces my passion for the word of God. Mm -hmm. So that, that was, that was a trying, that was a trying several months. And so then I go and I get tested. And, um, even in that time, I was telling my husband yesterday, I'm in the MRI tube and I'm just reciting scripture to myself over and over and over. Cause I was a mess. Oh, even though I had come to this point, I was still afraid. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then eventually got the results and everything was fine. Perfectly <laughs> healthy. Brain was great. And you know what the neurologist told me? He said, you know, it must just be stress. Uh, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. So, Thank you for that I, diagnosis. It was not very helpful, but and your symptoms started improving, right? Did yeah. Um, it it took almost a year and a half, but they they slowly dissipated, and um, and now I feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is, I actually do think it was stress. It's amazing how much um stress can affect your mind and your body or whatever because. Oh, yeah. I've seen since the reduction of stress and the reduction of symptoms. So I'm cognizant of that now. Mm -hmm. I had a little, just not near the extreme that you did, but, um, I was having some weird symptoms as far as with, um, headaches and, and numb and tingly arms and heart palpitations and kind of got some things checked out. And that was pretty much my diagnosis as well. And, um, but they say that it's common, especially with moms of young kids, just, you don't even realize the pressure that you're under. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. Even now I'll look and all my babies are about 18 months apart. So I'll look at Jeremiah, who's three and a half and think when Caleb was his age, I had two other children. Yeah. Like that's crazy. He's still a baby. So you can kind of understand. Okay. This is what I was going through. It was stressful. Oh my word. Well, I was thinking about, we recently, you and I went to a conference together in Dallas called If Lead, which is an extension of If Gathering. I don't know if people have heard of that, but if you haven't heard of it, it was started by Jenny Allen and her team. And what I love is that they exist to equip the local church. So they aren't just about building a big organization, but simply coming alongside of churches right where they are in their own communities and helping support them, whether that be through resources or encouragement. And we are also all about the capital C church, the global church, the body of Christ, and We can't all be plugged into each church, of course, but we can be united in heart and mind and encourage each other along the way. So that gets me fired up. And um, we got to hear from a lot of amazing speakers. And as you were sharing, it made me think there's this woman named Jill Briscoe who, did they ever say how old she is? She's in her 80s. That's all I got. Yeah, she's in her 80s. In her 80s. But she's a firecracker and she has this English accent that's just phenomenal. And she's brilliant. 
and is still traveling around in Germany and Switzerland and all these crazy places preaching the gospel. But she gave a talk on suffering and trials and basically just talked about that we wouldn't learn perseverance without suffering or trials. Um, but how do we kind of keep calm and carry on in the face of them? Yeah, she is so full of wisdom. Every single time I hear her, she's just incredible. But one of my favorite things about her is that even though she is so wise and um, everybody loves her, she is one of the most humble, humble. people. Mm. So humble. Mm-hmm. There is nothing in her that is anything but humble. She wrote this book called There's a Snake in My Garden. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's her autobiography. And it, each paragraph, I mean, each chapter talks about um, just different struggles and different lies that the enemy had planted in her mind and, and just how she walked through that. It's just full of wisdom, but also full of an understanding that we are all human um, and fallen and broken. And she's so awesome. I actually love, I love something else that she talked about. um, A question that I often get, she talked about balance. And what she said was that balance is a myth that Mm -hmm. we have this whole understanding that the balance is when you have all your roles in these boxes and when they're all full and perfectly aligned, then you're doing it right. But the that's not what it is. Mm-mm. There is no balance. What it is, is going to Jesus every single day and saying, Jesus, what box today? No, where should I put my focus on today? And even in this, I don't, um, I think it can be day by day. I think it can be season by season and it can even be moment by moment. Yeah. You know, throughout my day, I'm going to wear a bunch of different hats and just being so tuned into that's the thing is that we have to know God <laughs> well enough that when we ask, Lord, what do I do today? That we can hear his voice. And then we have to be willing. One thing she said that really stuck with me was that you had to have the courage to walk in obedience. I know that's so true for me is I could, I could think right now I'm supposed to be doing this or in this season, I'm supposed to be doing this, but to have the courage to say, that means I'm not going to do all these other things that I also want to do, Mm -hmm. but instead I'm going to only do what you have for me, God. Yeah. I have that highlighted as well. Have the courage to put boxes in the back and then put your energy into those front boxes that need your focus. Yeah. So good. So did you have any other notes from that conference that you wanted to share? There was so much wisdom. I mean, we heard from Priscilla Shire and Ann Voskamp and Jenny Allen and yeah. Um, you know, I have two other major takeaways. One of them was Ann Voskamp and she talked about this tiny bucket that she keeps on her windowsill. Mm -hmm. And she said that it is a reminder to her that life is not about fulfilling a bucket list, but it's about being fully poured out at the end of our lives and I mean, that has just so stuck with me. You know, we get so. Do you have uh, your bucket so yet to put on your windowsill? <laughs> I actually looked for one. I, <laughs> I did. I really did. And I saw on Amazon, you can order them by like a dozen. And I thought maybe that would be a cute little um, gift to our staff or something mm-hmm. you know, at Christmas time. But I, I love that. I think that's a really good reminder. And the other thing was. Um, we got to hear from a professor at the Dallas Theological Seminary. Seminary. And they were, and Jenny Allen asked him, you know, when you spend so much of your time increasing your head knowledge and just in all these deep theological discussions, how is it that you keep your heart tied to it? And what he said was that um, he stayed engaged with people what kept his heart tied to it is being able to be engaged with people and understand the brokenness and understand um, what life is like without the hope of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes a 
alive to you. You know, it's no longer just words on a page or theories or um, perspectives of, um, you know, whatever a specific doctrine is, but it's about real people, about a real heaven and a real hell and a real savior and real desperation. Right. And this is our one and only life. And it's short. I think we all get wrapped up into the myth. We're going to be here forever and we're not. Yeah. It's so good. It made me think um, the other day I was reading in Deuteronomy when Moses was up on the mountain with God and God was just furious. You know, down below they'd made a golden calf and God was just going to come and pour his wrath down on those people. And Moses was like, no, no, God, no, no, don't do it. And then as soon as Moses got down the mountain and he saw with his own eyes, he was furious. Mm, That's a good point. Mm -hmm. He he broke, he broke the commandments. He broke the tab, the tablets that God had written on because it wasn't until he saw it with his own eyes Mm -hmm. that his heart broke for what God's heart was broken over. Mm -hmm. It's just so important that we get, we remain tied into the lives of other people. Absolutely. Get our hands dirty. Yeah. And I mean, and our, our lives are dirty. Like we're, we're struggling. We're going through things on our own, but also being in the trenches with other people. Yeah. Um, I also loved how that doctor, um, I wrote down Dr. K. I didn't get his actual name, but Jenny asked him about creating disciples and, and teaching in seminary. And he said, um, one thing that's really important to him is creating self feeders. He mm-hmm. said, resources are available. I mean, all over, we have the internet, we have technology, there's bookstores like crazy. Um, but we have to be intentional to make time and space to study. And I love that because I think it's easy for us all to, especially in this culture in this day and age. We are a consumeristic society and we like entertainment. We have to be contributors and dig in on our own. Like you were saying, wrestle with the word, dive in with people. Um, this isn't just about, you know, watching the show go by. Yeah. You know, that actually, I think was kind of a theme throughout the if lead. Cause Jill Briscoe also said when people ask her to mentor them, that she'll tell them, I'll meet with you two or three times and I'll show you how Jesus is going to mentor you. Mm-hmm. She said, then I just, I do it with them, but then I teach them to do with themselves. Right. Yeah, because other people, even if you have someone discipling you or mentoring you, like they're not God either, you know, and we have to place our trust in the one person who is reliable. Yeah, so true. So before you guys launched Norman, um, which opened in August, you actually went out to New Mexico to Rio Rancho to get that thing started. And I know that that was a huge step of obedience and a leap of faith. So what was that like kind of stepping into the unknown? Yes. Um, you know, Brian and I were perfectly content and loving where we were. We were at, at another campus, leading a campus, and got a call from leadership asking us to consider um, going out to Rio Rancho to launch that campus. And at the time, um, neither Brian nor I really felt this strong call that we were to do that. Um, but I was doing, there is a version reading plan called the Bible in 90 days. Mm-hmm. I was, um, nearing the end of that. And we were in the book of acts at that time. And so I was reading about the formation of the church and I saw that, um, sometimes the Holy spirit called people places and sometimes the church sent people places. Mm. And so I just, it spoke so clearly to me because we are very passionate about the church where God has planted us. And we are just um, totally sold out for how he's working through it. And we thought, you know, if the leadership of the church thinks that we are the right people to go out and do this, then we're going to be willing to do it. 
itself, it's amazing because years and years leading up to this, God had been stirring in me just this desire to live in surrender to him, not to choose comfort, um, not to allow fear to hinder me from walking in obedience to him. And so this opportunity really was that. It was the opportunity to say, God, I'm willing to leave behind um, what has become my church family, my closest friends, our homeschool community, the people who supported and loved and challenged and encouraged us to go to this new place where really, even though, you know, I'm actually from Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is right near Rio Rancho. Mm -hmm. But when I was there, like I said earlier, I didn't know the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have a support system there. So we were willing to leave it all behind knowing that sometimes God calls us to step out of our comfort zone and just walk in obedience. And it has been, I mean, it was, it wasn't easy. It wasn't. There were a lot of times. I can remember you crying, being on a video call with you and you were in your closet crying just because it was hard and you were lonely at first. Yeah, for real. I mean, that's, that's the thing is I'm so grateful the Lord had me just so like, yes, I got to do this for God because had I known how hard it was going to be, I would have been too afraid, I think. So yes, I would sit in my closet and I would just cry. There were a lot of challenges up front, just transitioning um, from what was one church into the life church culture. It was a hard season, but like God grew me in such incredible ways. I started to see, you know, scriptures about pruning um, come alive in my life. Mm-hmm. I got to see um, just his faithfulness and how um, I would be literally like crying and journaling, like I said, I do. And by the end of my page, he had spoken so intimately into that situation that I felt such complete peace. No, it was just such an amazing time that I think sometimes um, we're so afraid of walking through those dark valleys that we don't realize that what could be in the midst of that dark valley is some of the greatest light we could be exposed oh, to. That's so true. So now you're in Norman and um, you're in a new season. So what has God been teaching you now in this season? I think what he's been impressing on me a lot lately, really like the last 12 years is just legacy. And, um, the fact that, you know, we'll hear illustrations about, you know, being on your deathbed and looking back and thinking about like how you spent your life and how you spent your time. And I often think like, I don't want to be on my deathbed looking back right now. I'm building my legacy right now in today, moment by moment, day by day, I am building my life. You know, my children and my family and I are building memories and just, um, you know, just to tie back into the tiny bucket, um, right now is my opportunity to pour out for the Lord. And so just thinking through today, the choices that I make, I'm creating my life, you know, um, you actually had someone on your podcast recently who spoke about alignment And I just loved what she said, because when we start with a vision, you know, and an understanding of who God wants us to be and um, what it's going to take to get there, then it just simply becomes following the path that he gives to us, Mm -hmm. you know, living in moment by moment, obedience to where he is calling us. Um, You know, I was talking to Brian yesterday about the idea of planting, of of blooming where you're planted. Yeah. And, um, 
and just being so content where you are and understanding that um, a life is built on day upon day upon day upon day and how I've gotten the opportunity recently to start writing reading plans for elementary aged kids at our church and to think back on how did I get this opportunity? Well, it's because for years I have been breaking down biblical principles into um, little bite-sized chunks that small children can understand. Yeah, absolutely. Simplifying Why? it. Mm-hmm. Because, I'm, because I'm doing it for my kids. Yeah. It wasn't because I had this idea that, well, one day I want to do this. No, it was simply that I was living in obedience to what God had called me to do today. Today, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And seeing where the need is today. My kids need to know this. I mean, I'm dealing with that. My kids, I want them to to hear this and and know it and understand it. But, you know, sometimes it's over my head. And so to break it down and simplify it in an understandable and clear way is so great. And I love that you're getting that opportunity. That's awesome. You know, in fact, a resource for that sort of thing, if if anybody out there has kids and um, wants to be able to explain things in a easy way, is the Jesus Storybook Bible. Mm, it's our favorite. It is. Yes, it's so good. It's, I'm, I kid you not. But sometimes I'll be reading it to my kids and I'll like start crying because it, it touches my heart in a new way. Absolutely. Yes. I've recommended that book to so many people. They're like, wait, you want me to read a children's Bible? Yes. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's full of truth. It's so good. And it breaks it down in a way that we can understand. Yeah. Mm, so good. Well, do you, um, I know that like we've talked about that we share the whole learner input thing. So do you have, and I know you do any podcasts or books or blogs or sermons that you would recommend other than the children's storybook Bible, the yeah. Jesus storybook Bible? Yes. Well, I read a ton, so I have a ton of things that I would recommend. But um, if I were to narrow it down, (laughs) my very, very favorite book of all time is called um, Kisses from Katie Mm. by Katie Davis. It is it totally changed my life um, several years ago. And I can't think of anybody (laughs) that I know that has read it, that it hasn't transformed their life. Mm -hmm. It is that good. Um, and then like, you know, I'm passionate about parenting. So probably my number one go-to parenting book is called, um, raising kingdom kids by Tony Evans. So good. It's a very spiritually based, you know, how to raise them to know the Lord and walk in his path sort of book. Um, a more practical one is called the life giving home by Sally Clarkson. And an even more practical one, um, Raising Grateful Kids in an Entitled World. Um, I think it was by Kristen Welch. Mm, that sounds good. But yeah, it, it was a good one. It Very practical. Um, I'm currently reading a book by Jess Connolly called Dance, Stand, Run. Yes, and I started it, it because we oh got my. a, we got a what, what do they call it? An early edition of, of it from If Lead in our bag. Yeah. Yeah, it it just recently um, came out, or whatever the proper word for it is, but it's so good. It's talking. It talks a lot about the tension between grace and holiness, which mm-hmm. is you know one of those things that I think I'm going to wrestle with my whole life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a hard topic. Um, yeah. So other reasons podcasts. I love podcasts too. I listen to them on my runs every morning. Um, Journey Women. That one is so good. Um, what is Journey I, Women about? So Journey Women is a spiritual one. She um, has people on and just talks about just a variety of things. One that one of her guests spoke on um, how to live a gospel-centered life as a mom, and it was just such an, an enlightening podcast to me. But every episode is very, you know, just just looking at what it looks like to be 
a woman on journey with Christ from just different perspectives. And then I always listen to Craig Rochelle's leadership podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, we are all leaders and fearless mom. We're all uh, leaders and we're all called to ministry. So yeah, for real, there's so much to learn from him. He's yeah, he's an incredibly wise man. So I have implemented so much of what he's taught through those. Um, A practical parenting one is called fearless mom out of Austin, Texas. And then if you're looking for more of like a sermon, um, Bible teaching podcast. I like Nancy Lee DeMoss Wagamuth. She has one called Revive Our Hearts. That's quite Um, the name. I know. Well, she's, so she's uh, older. I think she's in her fifties and she just recently got married. So for years and years and years, she'd been known as Nancy Lee DeMoss and then just tagged on her hub, her hubby's name to that. Gotcha. And you mentioned Kisses from Katie and she just came out with a new book called Daring to Hope, which um, I would like to read it, but I feel like from what I've um, seen and heard about it, it's kind of about legacy. Is that right? Oh, well, okay. So, so it's, a, I read it like the day it came out. It's so good, but um, it is really about how she, so Katie Davis is a missionary. She won't call herself a missionary. She is a woman yeah. who was born in America, but lives in Uganda. She has adopted, um, I think 13 girls. Um, she's recently got married, has a biological son now too, but this book, Daring to Hope, is really a story of um, how God has been there with her through a lot of times when her prayers weren't answered the way that Mm. she hoped they would be. Mm. Um, And just just a lot of the tragedy that she's had to walk through and how um, even when his answer is not yes, he is still good. It's such a good book. Okay, we'll add that to our list. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Did I cut you off? Did you have any more? Um, No, I mean, I could go on, but... (laughs) I know you could. Anytime I need a resource, I'm asking you. All right. So let's do some fun stuff. I want to know what's your biggest pet peeve. What gets under your skin? Well, um, it's not a funny one, but it really bothers me when people don't value time. And so when people are late or um, that sort of thing bothers me, Mm -hmm. Um, it really bothers me when my kids eat with their fingers. (laughs) I'm like constantly waving my fork. Remember the utensils. Um, That bothers me. I don't know. That's good. You gave me two. (laughs) So what do you like to do for fun or to recharge or with your family by yourself? All of the above. Yeah. Um, Well, I am highly introverted. And so I really value. Which you would never know, by the way, whenever you talk to you one-on-one. Well, thank you. That's funny. A mutual friend of ours recently told me, well, you're just the most welcoming introvert I've met, (laughs) (laughs) which is good, right? That's good. But I know that Uh, in a crowded room, you would rather just have your time. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely, if I'm going to recharge, it has to be alone. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I said, I'm a runner. I'll get to go out every morning and um, just, you know, spend 30 minutes or so out by myself running. I love to read. Um, and I really love coffee. So those, those are my recharging. So that's your ideal situation. Yeah. Oh go, my word. Yeah. Go Saturday for a run night. and then like take a bath and drink your coffee and read. Okay. So I don't like that. Okay. I'm oh, sorry. I added that <laughs> in. Somebody one time, I don't, it might've been, um, 
Annie F. Downs has this podcast called That Sounds Fun, I mm-hmm. think. And she was talking about how a bath is like a crock pot for humans. <laughs> like you're, <laughs> you're just stewing in this warm water for an extended period of time. That sounds great to me. Turn on the jets if you have jets and it's great. Yes, not so much for me. <laughs> so funny. So what final word of advice or encouragement would you want those listening to hear from you today? Well, you know, my life verse comes from Philippians one and it says that I pray your love will abound more and more in real knowledge and understanding for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day that Christ returns. And I just love, I love that phrase in there, um, to remember what really matters. And so what really matters, you know, it's loving God and it's loving people. It's pursuing relationship with God and it's pursuing relationship with people. Um, and I just think it's cyclical, you know, the more you seek him, the more you love him, the more you love him, the more you seek him, the more you seek him and love him, the more you can love people. Well, so my greatest encouragement to people would be get in the word of God. It will transform you in a way that you can never imagine. Um, and then don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. It's mm, great. Great reminder for me. And so I know it will be for everybody else. Ah, well, Davina, I just want to personally um, just say thank you for always being someone I can trust and who I know will point me to the truth. You'll point me to Jesus and you will be an encouragement along the way. So thank you for coming on and sharing your heart. And we just Derek and I are both super grateful for you and Brian and not just what you do, but who you are. Thank you, Jen. I adore you. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm leaving the table with lots and lots to chew on. And I'm just super grateful for people like Davina who help remind me what matters most in this life. I also want you to know no matter where you are, no matter how chaotic life seems at this very moment, You are not here in this world by accident, and you're not listening by accident. You've been created in the image of God, and it's easy to forget that. The Latin term is imago Dei, which means you have intrinsic value simply because you were crafted in the likeness of God. To know Him, to be empowered by Him, and to work with Him in a kingdom that will last forever. However, He did not create us to be robots, and just like Adam and Eve in the garden, we get a choice. Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20 says, Today I have given you a choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. We have a choice. You have a choice. And I pray that we will make a choice that honors and glorifies Him. All right. So all the resources, books, and podcasts mentioned are linked up at jenjewel.com. You can also subscribe in iTunes where you click one button one time and all the episodes come right to your phone, which is glorious, by the way. While you're in iTunes, I'd love it if you'd leave a review and give me some commentary. I'm still learning and always trying to be more intentional with these conversations. And as always, feel free to share with a friend. Remember, as you go about your week, don't be afraid of a little mess because that is exactly where God is at work. Mm